Welcome to Eden Speaks. Our prayer for this podcast is that this can be a place of openness, grace, honesty, and connection with our sisters in Christ and any brothers out there who are tuning in. While this podcast is in connection to our women's ministry at Living Word in Oak Harbor, Washington, we welcome everyone that is looking for real Christ-centered conversations. Some of these conversations may be hard and emotional, stirring up parts of us that we would prefer to keep hidden and protected. Ephesians 5.13 says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Let us be that light to one another. Let's take a step outside of our comfort zone. Let's trust Jesus to show us how to give grace and hope to others, and also put us in a posture to receive it as we engage in a journey of growth. Let's speak the truth of God's word. Let's always speak love. and welcome to Eden Speaks, a place of hope, encouragement, and grace. I'm Amy. And I'm Shannon. And today, as always, after our Eden gatherings, we are doing our Eden gathering recap. But this month, it's a little different. Mm -hmm. As you know, I think we have been kind of promoing that we every February do our for our Eden gathering, we do sex talks. So we really focus around sex and lots of different venues and lots of different ways and lots of different focuses, but um, we never record it. And so we aren't going to be pointing to a recording that you can go to. Um, We're going to just be kind of recapping um, with what we feel like is most I don't know, appropriate to share, right, Aim? Yep. Would you say that's true? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We will talk (laughs) about our stories. We will talk about our stories. In fact, that's the thing. We focused on, we continued the story. You know that um, this season on the podcast, we've been focusing on story. um, And the reason that we do that is because it's really, really powerful. We see God's redemptive work in our lives, but we also offer an opportunity um, for those around us to say, oh my gosh, really? You too? Me too? I have that same story or mine's similar, or I didn't know that about you. And there's connection points and that's really, really good. So we decided to continue that way for our February Eden sex um, talks gathering um, and we had a panel of four people Amy and I were on that panel yes it was it was good it was it, it went was. well we were all so nervous I feel mm-hmm. like we've never been quite so nervous before right yeah I like I addressed the fact that my hands were very very sweaty and they <laughs> were and I was I was just telling Shannon like you know, I was on obviously Zoom. And so being able Mm -hmm. to see who was in the room, like every once in a while, I'd see somebody walk by and I'd be like, oh, they're so-and-so, you know, I could like see them. (laughs) But literally the one person that I could very clearly see was Shannon's daughter, Alyssa. And Mm -hmm. I knew she was sitting right there. She was right up front. And it just, it brought me so much comfort, just having her sweet little friendly face um, like I couldn't actually even see her face, but I knew she was there and I could <laughs> see her. So um, it, it did. It brought me a lot of comfort having her there because it is, it's a, it's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, we put a, a part of ourselves out there that not very often do you have that type of conversation with a whole room full of people. Like it's usually like, you and I having that conversation, Shan, and like talking about those things or, but to be putting it out there in the way that we did, like it was, it was a lot. It was was scary. It was very vulnerable. I feel like 
I kept saying like, it feels like we're gonna strip down and just stand up there with nothing on. Yep. <laughs> Felt a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, we also had Stacy Larson join us and Aloysia Tenniel. They could be with us today just for scheduling stuff. Um, it's been a crazy week to try to get anything scheduled. Missing Monday has been a thing. Um, President's Day, I think that put some things. And then I traveled this week, but so we're not gonna actually refer directly to their stories because we feel like we wanna make sure that we honor their stories and they get to tell them how they want to. And if you, um, you know, the whole reason we didn't record is if you weren't in the room, um, it's not something we're gonna kind of necessarily reference publicly sort of again, I guess. Um, but they did a great job too. They were also very, very nervous. It was just a thing. I mean, we were being really, really raw and really, really honest. Um, and because we feel like it's important. We, as the church, we don't, um, we don't necessarily talk about some of the stuff that we have talked about in, in the years that we've done our sex, February sex talks um, in general, just across the board, whether it be, you know, anatomy or the way bodies work or um, even everything from, you know, sexual trauma, whether it be child molest molestation or, um, you know, rape. Um, we have ladies in, you know, in our sisterhood who have gone through abortion. There are so many things that I just think that as a church body, we forget that even though Jesus's redemptive power um, is alive and well and working in our lives. I mean, he did it all. You know, he he overcame the grave. That's what he did. And we received that. But that doesn't mean that we aren't still sitting arm in arm on a Sunday morning with people whose journey has been very traumatic, very real. And yes, um, whether it be something that they need to go after um, redemption for in the in the area of like something they chose to do that absolutely they need to um, repent for or something that was done to them by someone else that they need healing for. Um, we want to make sure that we remember that that is still in the room. That's, that is, those are still things that are in our lives. Still things that we walk through, um, regardless of the fact that we are covered and redeemed. That is all true. And we celebrate that. But we also know that our healing journeys and our healing paths all look very, very different. Um, and I think it's important to talk about it because there is healing. That's the whole point of why we do Eden Speaks, right? Aim, I mean, that is our verse. Our verse is bringing things to the light where his love, he is the light. His love can get at this stuff and do its supernatural work. And in community, when we do it, it's even more powerful. And so, yeah, I mean, what, what do you want to add to that, Aim? I think that you just encapsulated all of that beautifully um, and, <laughs> and really spoke to the things that were on my heart in regards to when we, regardless of what age we are, when we meet Jesus, when we, when we start to learn who he is and invite him into our lives and, and we do start to have that redemption and all of that, like there, there are still things that we are dealing with. There are still things that there's, we even have those times where there's choices that we make after we have started a relationship with Jesus that then we're like, wow, mm -hmm. yeah. that was not my best self. I need, I need to have redemption and healing or forgiveness in that, you know, and that there is, we're always going to be on this journey of continual growth and healing and forward movement because we are broken. Even after we have Jesus in our lives, mm -hmm. when we are, if we could be following him. Like if we got any closer, like we're, we're going to 
I was just going to say something inappropriate, like, you know, our nose was going to go up his butt or something, but like, <laughs> we're that close, right? Like we are, yeah, right yeah. we're still broken so people, close. even when we're mm-hmm. following that close. Mm-hmm. And so there is going to be things that choices that we could make. There could still be things that happen to us. That's right. I was just going to say have, that. Mm-hmm. Have started that relationship with him. That's and so right. that, that journey and recognizing that exactly what you said, Shan, that the person that we're sitting next to in church, they could be right in the thick of that. And they could be feeling utterly alone and like ashamed or whatever mm-hmm. emotion is coming along with that. And they're terrified to talk to somebody about it because maybe they're, maybe they're new to this. And they think that if they share that, that they're doing it wrong or they shouldn't be there or whatever. And so I think that's where these stories come in and are so powerful because in, in my perspective, in sharing my story on Friday night, if it only resonated with one person, or if one part of that story resonated with one person that helped them take a step forward, then it was absolutely worth it to me. Putting myself out there like that is, would be absolutely worth it because knowing that we have people that understand what we've been through or what we're going through is super, super powerful. And I think that that Mm -hmm. is, that's why we do this. That's why we do Eden as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why we have this women's ministry, because we want to be walking arm in arm with our sisters in Christ. We want to be helping each other through these things and creating the space to be able to have conversations like this. And yes, we were all nervous. It's a nerve wracking thing to put yourself out there like that. But the fact that we were all just gave a a very willing yes to do it, I think speaks to what this women's ministry is about. Mm-hmm. And that we need yeah. to keep doing what we're doing and sharing these stories and having these conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. There could be things that um, even after our salvation happened to us, um, we are broken. And even in our salvation, we're still broken. We still have a sin nature and we are surrounded by brokenness um, and other people's sin nature. And as you know, people who are surrendered to the father, people who are not surrendered to the father, that is a whole thing. I think based on the fall, there is brokenness in this world. And that is just what that is just the reality of it all. Um, so I think you're right. I think that's really, really great thing to point out. I also, you know, you were saying like, I think, you know, someone sitting, you know, in our congregation and feeling like, what do I do with this? What do I do with this pain I'm I'm harboring? What do I do with this guilt I'm harboring? What do I do with this grief? Um, I, I mean, having a space that says like, we don't do this right either. Like, honestly, we don't know necessarily what we're doing either, but I do think that we are intentionally stepping out boldly and, and scared. I know for sure that like, every time we do this, like I feel ill because I'm like, we don't really know what we're doing, but I don't think that's a good reason not to do it because of the person who feels alone and has nowhere to go and no, nothing you know, no one to carry their stuff with them. And I'm like, okay, we'll do it. We'll stand up here and basically, you know, strip down and stand here as messy as it may be. And as you know, we, I'm sure we say things 
we shouldn't be saying. I'm sure we forget things all the time. I know for this particular time, we totally forgot a whole topic that um, we'll talk about at some point. But I honestly, I'm like, we were just throwing spaghetti at the wall because if we don't and we just say, ooh, we got to do it the right way though, and how da 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 da, we'll never do it. We'll never do it because there's not a great model for it because it's something that we shy away from. I mean, you know, this whole concept. So yeah, I think you're right. Like knowing that, you know, we are surrounded by brokenness. It is, it is coming at us all around. We are luckily, he is so present with us and his promises are so true, but also just creating that space for that one person. Um, like you said, Amy, that one person who is like, I feel alone in this and I don't know what to do with this. And where can I go with this? Um, and to see like, you know, whether it be our ministry or our church in general, to be a beacon of safety and to say, Hey, can you walk with me? I, I've seen, I've seen this um, kind of seem like it might be okay here to do that. Because how many times do you like? I mean, even on a Sunday morning, like, oh, I can't go to church. I'm such a mess today. Like, I don't look. I do not have that privilege. I, if I'm a mess, I still have to go because it is my job. But right, like, I mean, you know, like, if you know that you are gonna like cry, like, we stay away from church for just tears for no reason. Oh no, I can't go on a Sunday morning. I can't sit there and cry. Like I can't let people see me. What? If we are not that place, what are we? Where are, where will that be? Where will that place be? So yeah, we, we fumble along at times, but we're like, we're doing this. We're going in, we're going to try. We're probably going to, you know, fall down a couple of times, but we're going for it. I think that's exactly what we did on Friday night. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's, there's a purpose behind it and there's a heart behind it. And yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Every, every person involved in Eden, you know, all the beautiful women that, that come and participate, those of us that are like trying to figure out like, okay, what, what is another way that we can love on these women? Like we're, we're all like, okay, like we're just, we're trying to figure out what is, what is the best way to go about this and how can we reach people and really be real and and this is one of those topics that I think a lot of churches do not address that women's ministries are not talking about and so yeah we are we don't really have a model to follow so we're just kind of okay lord <laughs> here we are and we're trying to do this and we're just praying that that the way that that we're going is the way that that you want us to, because we want yeah. to be honoring him and we just want to be loving each other well. And sometimes mm -hmm. that means having hard, uncomfortable conversations and bringing up topics that, that maybe don't, aren't super easy and feel a little like, Oh, are, are we going to misstep? Are we going to say something that we shouldn't say? Mm -hmm. But if we don't try, we're never going to be able to like dig deeper. We're never going to create more meaningful, connected relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think it keeps us from practicing. I mean, we, we as a society need more practice at stepping towards messy situations because, okay, let's just take grief, right? Grief is one Thing that's very messy. And for the most part, people have no idea how to deal with it on the outside. People on the inside that's happening to them, they don't know how to deal with it either, but people on the outside have no idea how to deal. So really what ends up happening is, is you either 
I don't know, it, that person ended up feeling kind of isolated because you're like, oh, I don't really know what to say. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Again, same kind of idea. Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I, you know, I want, but as we practice stepping into, and maybe you say nothing, maybe you just let it be what it is. And you're like, I'm just here to practice this. I'm here because I feel called to sit with you, to be with you in the midst of this. I actually you know, get the sense I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> I don't know. Again, we don't, we don't practice it enough to really know, but I do think that as we do, as we make decisions to step into and, and toward having hard conversations, talking about messy things, stepping into messy scenarios with our brothers and sisters all around us and, and being committed to community. Um, I think that, that we learn, I think, and there's no other way to learn because it is, it feels awkward and it's uncomfortable and we're crappy at it naturally, but it does take practice. And I think what's what we're doing, we're just practicing. Let's just practice this. Let's keep practicing this because I think we'll get better over time. And if, even if we don't, um, hopefully it, it encourages others like to, to practice and try it. it. It helps. And together it's helping us be brave to continue to step toward, step toward the other. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That and it's not always sense, easy. <laughs> yeah, I know. It can be very, very challenging in, in a number of different ways. Like maybe mm -hmm. that's not something that we're good at doing, or maybe we're afraid that it's going to be conflictual. <laughs> Speaking for, from personal experience, like, mm -hmm. you know, like that stops us from doing those things, but you're mm -hmm. right. We do need to practice those things mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and we're not going to be able to have progress or be able to, to change how we're doing things or whatever that may look like if we're too afraid to get up off the sideline and do anything yeah. about mm -hmm. it. You know, like mm -hmm. we can do hard things. We absolutely can do hard things. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to nail it every time. It doesn't mean that we're mm -hmm. going to be successful at it every time, but the only way we're going to be able to keep moving forward is by doing what we're doing and saying, okay, we're, we're going to try, mm -hmm. we're going to do it. You know, it's like, I don't know why, but parenting comes to mind for me. I think it's mm -hmm. because like when you were talking about, we have no idea what we're doing. Like, that's how I feel about parenting. Most of the time is like, mm -hmm. I'm at this, like, Lord, I have given my son to you. I know that you have him but I also know that you gave him to me to lead. And so sometimes I feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just hoping that I'm not screwing him up too bad. Other times I feel like I do a really good job, you know, like, but we, we keep doing it. We keep parenting. We keep trying. And my mom told me once that if it's hard, then you're doing it right. Because... Yep when you care and you want to see good things happen, you're going to keep trying and you're going to keep putting that energy into it. And I think that that's, I think that's why our women's ministry is what it is because the, all these women keep coming and they, they are vulnerable and they will share and they will engage. Yeah. You just keep doing it. You just keep doing it.
Yeah. With that, do you want to talk about, so one thing we did do with all four speakers is we wrote out discussion questions for each table in between speakers to have like a discussion. So we had discussion table questions. Um, and like we said, Amy and I are willing to kind of share our stories um, and the discussion questions from Stacy and Aloysia are also very, very awesome and don't point directly to their stories. So there are some of those I'm like, oh, I totally want to talk about those too. Mm -hmm. um, where shall we start? Do you think? Mm, well, um, I mean, I am more than happy to share a little bit, like just kind of a brief overview of of my story. Um, the The big tenant of mine is was the narrative, and that narrative for me came from a lot of different places uh, within myself. Messages that. I was given maybe from a young age about like my looks and how that's like what things hinge on. And then that morphing into using that and my sexuality to get what I want. And um, just this idea that in order to get attention and to be worthy and to be accepted, that it hinges on all of that. And mm -hmm. as long as, you know, a a guy is giving me the attention, then okay, I'm, I'm still good. I'm still okay. I'm still acceptable. Like that attention was so important. Mm -hmm. And then being in a relationship in my first marriage where that wasn't the mess, I was given the opposite message because I wasn't sexual enough at that point to, and so I was, there was something wrong with me and I was broken and you need to figure out what's going on with you. And um, so in that aspect, I was never enough. I was never meeting expectations. I was never accepted. Um, and so he went looking for attention elsewhere because I wasn't meeting those expectations of how often that could be and so on and so forth. Um, and then, you know, coming into my relationship with my husband that I'm married to now, who is amazing and wonderful. We've been married for 10 years, um, having fears and a different narrative running in my head about what if this happens again? And what if, what if everything falls apart because I am still not enough? And what if my first husband was right? You know, like that fear of maybe he was right. And I, I am all the things that he said I was, or that I'm lacking in all the ways that he would tell me that I was lacking. Um, mm -hmm. but that that wasn't the case. And that, you know, through my relationship with, with Jesus and, really learning where my worth lies and where that comes from, that it is from the Lord. And um, I'm still, still learning that, you know, like, and I yeah. think I always will be, I know that truth, but there's still insecurities that happen there. And um, obviously that's a very short condensed version of, of my story. Cause it was 15 minutes when I told it the first time. Um, but that, the just the weight of that narrative, the narrative that was running through my head and that was being fed to me through, you know, a, a very dysfunctional and mentally and emotionally abusive relationship, but then also that the truth of the the narrative that the Lord speaks to me and that how powerful that is and how much that needs to be the foundation of who I am in that. Um, so, you know, my questions kind of revolved around that narrative. And um, one of the questions that I asked was, have you ever used your sexuality to your advantage? And that's a hard question. And I know that's a hard question, 
but I think that that we need to be able to explore those things. We need to, you know, mm-hmm. part of my process when I was talking through how I wanted, like what pieces, what part of my story I wanted to share, what I wanted that to look like and talking through that with you, Shan, like that was, I didn't want to talk about that part. I didn't want mm-hmm. to talk about the, right. the fact that I used my sexuality to my advantage. And sometimes even as a manipulation, like that felt, blah. Mm-hmm. but you were also like, so kind and loving to tell me like, well, then maybe that's the part you do need to talk about. And you were absolutely right. And I'm glad that I, I did that, but I think that, you know, we need to be able to look honestly at ourselves sometimes and ask those hard questions of, have I done this? Am I doing this right now? Why? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like sometimes we have to ask ourselves really hard questions to be able to bring it into the light and maybe put a, you know, put a, a stick in the bicycle wheel of the cycle that we're in <laughs> so mm-hmm. that we can stop doing what we're doing. Yeah. And yeah, because I, and I think that part of that, you know, saying like, oh, I think you should tell that for one thing, the whole point of us being there is I'm like, what if somebody out there felt that way too? Mm-hmm. And I even like in answering that question from your two questions, I was like, actually, yeah, I definitely have. I ever used my sexuality to my advantage? Yes. Now for me, I actually, it's so funny. I was taught to do this. Um, I was raised by my dad for kind of the years where I would have had anything to kind of, you know, flaunt or whatever. (laughs) And he was like, oh yeah, you use that. Like you're going to, you know, that's why wouldn't you like, use that to get. And I don't say that as, I mean, I'm not saying that as like a, I mean, sure. That sounds terrible. Like, Oh, your parents shouldn't probably tell you to do that. But I feel like within his context, I mean, it makes sense like where it kind of comes from, but I will tell you that I, I was like, really? And then, I mean, I did. Um, anyway, I, I just feel like, Oh, I totally related to that. Um, whether it be, I mean, something really silly, like I can remember like, um, uh, being in 4-H and like, um, I don't know, looking some type of way to like get points from the judge. Now, who knows if the judge is really giving me points to swear that way or whatever. And that sounds so bad now when I say it. And if you're a judge out there in 4-H and that you're like, oh my gosh, that's offensive. Like, okay, I, I'm just saying. And maybe back in the day, it was more of a thing. And maybe it still is a thing. That's the whole point. We're asking the question. Mm-hmm. Um, do we do it intentionally to manipulate? That's a good question. And to, to be like, oh my gosh, look in the mirror. Or is it being done to us? Like we got to keep this stuff on the table and ask these honest questions because we don't know for sure unless we connect intentionally and be like, that's a good question. Let me ask myself, which is why I thought it was such a good question and such a good point, Aim. And so brave to share. So brave to share. It yeah. really, you did such a good job there. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. I feel like once I got past that, like having to say that out loud to everybody, like, oh, I was, it was so cringy for me to actually have to let those words come out of my mouth. Um, Mm -hmm. just because it is, it is hard to like say, yes, I did this. Granted, that's not the person that I am now, you know, like I'm not going out to the bar wearing a short skirt, trying to get free drinks anymore. Like, (laughs) yeah. I'm almost 41 years old for crying out loud. I'm a married woman and I don't, I'm not doing that, but I've been there, done mm-hmm. that, Yeah. you know, and if, if there's somebody out there, regardless of 
what their age is or any of that, if that's where they are, like, I'm willing to pose the question to mm-hmm. help them take a look. And yeah. I would hope that, that if the tables were turned, that somebody would ask me a hard question. If they like maybe saw me engaging in something that seemed like it was not doing good things for me, yeah. ask, me that, ask me a hard question, even if, mm-hmm. even at the risk of upsetting that other person. Because I think that we do need to, that's part of that being vulnerable and, and lovingly walking alongside our, our, our people that are, that are struggling. So, um, yeah, it, it was a hard question, but I'm, I'm glad that, that I asked it. I think that it, it's, it's a good, it was thought provoking. Um, and then the other question that I had asked was more in alignment with the narrative or the story, you know, that kind of, I was feeding myself that was being fed to me, the messages that I was getting, uh, which was in alignment with narrative, what story are you writing or telling about what your sex life or sexuality or sexual development should look like? Um, and I felt that that was an important question just because we do get influenced by a lot of things. We get influenced by the world around us and societal things that are being thrown at us. Uh, maybe messages that, like you said, Shan, like we get from our parents or whatever that may look like. So just kind of taking a look to see like what things am I telling myself? Yeah. 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 I connected that question with one of the questions that Aloysia also posed, which her question was, what about your sexuality slash sexual developmental stage distracts you from knowing who you are in Christ? And the reason I connected those two, because I think just from our context, I mean, here we are married women. I've been married 23 years and there are times and I'm like, uh, this doesn't look how it should look like we uh, the world says we should be doing this or it should look like that or it should whatever. I mean, like, oh, okay. And I think I'm talking about like, mostly I'd be talking about, um, uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Like, you know, well, how many times a week should you be having sex um, at, you know, Frequency. when you're a married person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, oh, you should have like, you know, six times a week, seven times a week. I don't know. I'm, I mean, and I'm just like, if I were to go there, like that is one thing that would be my answer to this. is That's what could distract me from knowing who I am in Christ, like, no, actually I am made how I am made. And in my marriage, this is what works. And I don't have to look to the left and to the right. And I don't have to, and I can be careful about catching that narrative and being like, ah, I'm writing this narrative and saying like, this is what's normal. This is what's good. This is what's going to make you in your marriage whole, um, as you know, as a sexual, you know, couple, this is what's right. Um, and I think making really, being really careful about not going to the shoulds of it all. It should look like this. It should be like that. It should blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I do think the world will make you a hundred percent feel like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, whether it be in the secular world or the Christian world, I don't really know. And to be honest, I do think that in those areas, that those are places where, you know, take your concern. I, I mean, I have to, for me, I have to take my concern. Um, before the father and just trust the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me um, and Brett in our and what it should look like for us and what's you know because we all have seasons too where it's like it's really busy and it's like not happening or it's we're in lots of time and it's super chill and it's you know whatever I mean 
And I think that those ebbs and flows, those are normal too and natural too. But if you're not careful and you're not seeing what distracts you from knowing who you are in Christ, or like you said, if you're not catching that narrative um, and you're giving yourself that whole should message, um, that just leads to death. And the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And say you're not married. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. The world probably tells you that you should be out and about and catching yourself, uh, you know, a sexual partner, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's Netflix that and chill. Netflix and chill. Yes. I literally <laughs> thought of that the other day. What I was it know for? that's actually like, cool anymore. So if that's like, a, if I'm yeah. like a, an old lady by using that reference, <laughs> because that was like, so last year, I'm really sorry. Right. Like, but, eh, nobody <laughs> does that anymore. Stupid. <laughs> I hope it's stupid. That sounds terrible. Don't Netflix, don't Netflix and chill. <laughs> sounds too casual oh gosh our hearts are too involved in all that anyway um so yes I I loved your question that second question in, in alignment with narrative and then connected it with Oasis question I yeah. just thought that that was really good yeah yeah, yeah that was so yeah they did have thank you for sharing of... that mm -hmm. yeah yeah really good stuff um uh, along those lines, actually, let's just stick with Aloysius' questions. She has, that was her third question, but she has two more here. The first one was, do you think sexual desire is bad? If so, or if not, why? And the second question was, do you feel like you could ask the father questions about your sex life slash sexuality based on your current context? If not, what stops you? Good question. Those are really good questions. Oi. Yeah, I... So, so to answer her, her, the second question first. Yeah, let's do that. Yes, absolutely. We can go to the father with those questions. Will we? <laughs> Not always, I don't think, because I think there could be a myriad of reasons why we don't. Like, maybe we like know logically that we can go to the father with these questions, but we're like, but I don't, I don't want to have to ask him about that. Like, that feels weird or, or. Maybe we don't want the answer, but yes, yeah. I think that we always, he, we can go to him with any question, big, small, yeah, in between. Absolutely. Like, I think that's the thing that we always have to remember is he loves us so much that anything that we want to bring to him, he is happy to receive. We could be like, being like, Lord, is it going to snow today? Like, it, it doesn't matter. It could be something so something that feels so trivial and he would like be right there with us, or it could be something that's really big and heavy and he's right there with us. So yeah, we absolutely can. I just think sometimes we don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, and he, um, obviously we know he already knows what we're thinking, but, but there is, and so he knows all that, but there is something about when we do have a question it could just be a question that's like, we don't, it's not like we're going to hear an audible answer. We might, but it also could be like, this is my question and I want to turn it into a prayer. Um, you know, he asks us to come before him and actually take those steps to do it. And I do think you're right. I think that something stops us and whether it be like we're embarrassed and we're like, oh my gosh, God is for all the things that don't have anything to do with that, which is crazy because he made us and he created sex and all the different, I mean, he, he made all the parts and he did all the stuff. He made, he made those parts very specific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, 
and even, I mean, and even confusing stuff like what about this or what about, I mean, he, he is so present and so available to us. And, and like I said, he really all, already knows, but I do think that we can get very like, we can, we're better about stressing about stuff or almost ruminating or meditating on something than we are actually stopping and going to him. Um, and I don't know why, I don't know why there's that disconnect of like going before, like I said, you could be embarrassed maybe, or you could, um, maybe like you said, you don't really want to know the answer. Um, but I do feel I'm with you. I do feel like I could ask him any question. Um, and that's funny because it's just interesting how every year this kind of does, you know, because we do this, we're really intentional. There are some things that do get stirred up and I actually kind of, if I'm honest, I'm kind of been making a list of like, you know, like I'm praying about this Lord. I don't, I don't know. Like this is on my mind or, you know, what about that? So I actually have really started and be more contemplative about it. I don't exactly know what my questions are yet. I don't exactly know what my prayers are, but I'm, I've started the conversation with them because I, this brings it all up. It brings yeah. it all up. So I hope it brings it up for you guys too, and make sure that you know that you can go to him with any of it, any of it. Yeah. Okay. So, and the other one was, do you think sexual desire is bad? If so, why or why not? Or if so, if, or if not, why? I don't think it's bad. Do you think it's bad? bad. No, I think it's, I, bad. Think it's, I think it's a, a, it is another part of our sexuality that the Lord gave yeah. us. Like God created yeah. that very intentionally because, um, if we didn't have sexual desire, we probably would not be procreating because why? <laughs> like, would we really like, if there wasn't the desire there, if there wasn't, mm -hmm. if it didn't happen the way that it happened, would we even be engaging in it? And would we be creating more, more of his children? Um, I think that where we have to be careful is what we do with that desire. Because it's going to be there. Say more. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, are we, are we being appropriate with it? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's going to look different depending on what stage of life we're in and all sorts of different things. But being again, like content, contemplative in prayer. And like, if we're feeling something that maybe we're questioning or something like digging into that a little bit, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I, I think that the sexual desire is a good thing that God gave us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I even think outside the, I mean, inside the context of marriage, I think it is very good. I do think that there's a little bit of a stigma out there that women don't really have a high sexual desire. And so I think there can be times for us as women where we're, where, where we'll turn the volume down on that a little bit. Maybe we don't even know what to do with our sexual desire because typically um, it is something that's pursued by our, our spouses, our male, you know, our husbands. Um, I don't think that's across the board. I'm just trying to think of like things that, you know, like what keeps us from that? If, if we do think it's bad, what, what can it be? I know. I mean, I can be super coy and weird about it. <laughs> weird what? about it. I, I know. Oh my gosh. That's so funny that you say what, because I do think like, I, this makes me think of Stacy when she calls me, okay, shy girl, because I tell her, I'm like, no, actually I do have 
shyness. There are shy parts of me. And she's like, what? That's ridiculous. And this kind of can be one of, wow, I am revealing. This can be one of those areas where I can be a little bit on the shy side. Um, and I have no idea what that's about. Uh, and, but I, I've been way more curious about it, but I do think that there, and I do think it's connected to uh, my story, which I think we'll go into next. Cause it is so connected to, you know, embodiment and all this different thing, but, um, so we'll get there, but I don't want to also forget the fact that, um, outside of the context of marriage, sexual desire, I want to encourage people. It is also good. We are made to be sexual beings. Um, we are, and honestly, what did I say? I think I said on Friday night, I was like, listen, if that is, if you have that, you know, if your body's like alive and like, oh, wow, what's happening? Like, you should praise the Lord because I do think that um, whether it be because of sexual trauma or because you just don't know what to do with it, so you turn it off, like, for lots of women, it doesn't work. We don't have desire. We don't act, our bodies don't kind of turn on in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I, my encouragement, and I've actually, you know, mentored a handful of, um, you know, young adult females who, you know, who, who either they're engaged or um, just maybe about to be engaged and like, oh my gosh, what's happening inside of me? And I'm like, don't, don't, shame that don't turn it off don't you know let, you know let's hang in there if you if this is your goal and your goal is to wait until you know let's hang in there and I will you know I can encourage you in that but don't don't be like what's wrong with me I, I can't turn this off I can't turn this off I don't think it's necessarily meant to be turned off mm -hmm. um it's 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 okay we are built that way we are built this way we're built to be responsive um and that is something to celebrate not mm -hmm. to be you know, shameful of, I mean, I guess the question would be like, what am I supposed to do with it? I feel like that's a whole nother conversation, mm -hmm. um, you know, outside the context of marriage, what are you supposed to do with it? But I would say that I do not think sexual desire is bad in any context um, because it's a gift and it's, it means our bodies are functioning properly, mm -hmm. properly. So um, anyway, I wanted to connect that to um, what I shared on Friday um, because I think as we connect to our sexual desire, we, in order to connect to our sexual desire, I think is what I want to say, we have to be embodied. Um, and I talked a lot about body. I talked about body from two different angles. I talked about body, body image and how that impacts your sex and sexuality. And I talked about being embodied and being inside of your your body and being present to things like desire. I think what happens is, is that when we, we are thinking, feeling, doing beings, right? Like we, and, and most of us, you know, this is kind of our, um, our, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, our intelligence centers, right? We either, some of us like to think more than we like to feel or do. Some of us like to feel more than we like to do or think. And some of us like to do more than we like to think or feel. So, and that's really normal to have something that kind of like sits on top and that's like your main thing and you go to it. I um, mean, in a way we're kind of talking Enneagram here, but um, ultimately the way God made us is for all of those parts to work together. He wants our heads, our heart, and our gut, our bodies to all work together. Um, but I think what ends up happening is we don't really know what to do with our bodies a lot. And we can be really shameful about our bodies. I mean, think about this concept of desire. Ooh, desire is bad. That's shameful. I am going to turn it off. And what I was saying on Friday night was that we actually go and we disassociate, right? Like we unplug the, the electrical cord to, to the thing. 
because like, I don't know what to do with that. I'm going to unplug it. I am going to become disembodied in this area. Now, I will also say sometimes that's by choice. Um, maybe we're just terrified of what it's all about. We're terrified to connect to our desire. We're terrified to connect to our natural tendency, but it could also be about, you know, you've been shamed in your life before. And, and so you feel, you do feel shameful because you've been taught that to be connected to that is very, very bad. Or there's sexual trauma in your life that you're it, that your body is in like survival mode and it is hundred percent detaching. Um, I guess you could also go the other route and be fully attached and getting crazy all over the place and responding to every, um, you know, every call and whim that your body is, is giving you. That's, that's another, you know, kind of form of ultimate disembodiment too, because there's anytime you're sort of out of balance in any of those, it's essentially, you know, not great. Um, so I talked about that and how important it is to, to, to be really present with our bodies and to allow um, our bodies to lead us and guide us. And in the context of um, married sex to actually get out of our heads. You know, I was just sharing, I just said, I, I am a little bit shy. I am a little bit, you know, like, oh, this is what I want, but I don't really know how to kind of go down that road. It's so crazy. I've been married for 23 years, but this sometimes becomes a tripper for me. And it, and I mean, it's, he's, my husband's great. He knows how to navigate it, but it still is like, really, like, seriously, like in my mind, I'm like, grow up, but it's still there. And, and this is kind of where the other part, the body image part kind of comes in. So for one thing, I can overthink the whole thing. And then I, and now I'm thinking and I'm not following my body. And on Friday night, I, I used, I used the terminology, her, I'm not following her. She's leading me. She's guiding me. I, I don't need to bring my head into the mix. I can be led and guided by her. I'm in the safe space and to, uh, to, you know, just to allow that to kind of be a thing, but I'll get all up in my head and I don't even know. I get all, whatever I, I, it can be a time thing. Well, nope. Gage will be home in 20 minutes or whatever. I don't know. I mean, there can be a million different things, but another thing that does kind of, um, kind of get in my way of being fully embodied in this way, in a sexual way is my body image. Um, I talked a lot about just my, my story from like growing up and what that's looked like for me and how I struggled with weight. I had struggled with weight my entire life and um, was talking about a couple of different scenarios that had happened to me growing up that really instigated shame. And then my parents divorced that I learned really quickly um, that food helped a lot. Um, and that by the time I was in the fifth grade, I weighed 150 pounds, which is what I weigh today. Like I'm a grown woman and I, I weighed exactly, you know, that same amount. So and that I had, I just had shared that I had um, gained and lost and gained and lost hundreds and hundreds of pounds over my lifetime. And the reason that I share that and what does that have to do with, you know, kind of body image now, if you knew me now, I, I love to be fit. I feel like I'm in a healthy body. Um, but that, that up and down, up and down on top of four pregnancies has, you know, wreaked some havoc um, on my nakedness. And that um, will cause me to become disembodied. I will go to my head again and be like, but I look this way or I feel this way. And I, I do, for the most part, I'm able to push through that um, and just be like, no, that's just the enemy. That's not real. That's, I mean, or it might even be real, but so what? Like, there's a part of me that's like, I ultimately in my life where I'm at right now, 
feel like I'm being called into the space of, this is the term I use, like to embrace all my wobbly bits. And I don't just mean my body, even though that's so funny. <laughs> Amy is rolling right now. <laughs> It's not the first time that I've heard you say that, but it like, makes me laugh. I think I heard it on like an English television show or something. Anyway, but my wobbly bits where I'm like, oh yeah, they wobble. But, and that is real. And that is funny. And let's stop and laugh for a second. Cause it's true. <laughs> but I don't even just mean my, I don't even just mean like my body parts. I also mean just like who I am as a person. Um, the, you know, my personality, the way I perceive things, the way I interject and respond, like all the things, like, I feel like there's a part of me right now in my life. I'm just trying, I'm just working on accepting sort of all of me. And that includes my body and where she's at. And, and, and honestly, she deserves a lot of respect. She has been through a lot and she has carried me through and she has, she has shown up for me. And for me to be to, for me to shame her or to be embarrassed of her is just almost offensive to her. I mean, that's horrible. Um, and I hate that it's like that, but it is true. And it really is kind of part of it. Um, so anyway, that's kind of what my, my part was about on Friday. And it, it definitely connected to, you know, this idea of like Aloysia had posed to us the sexual desire, because if we are disembodied for whatever reason, um, you know, we we're turning off that desire and that's not necessarily a good thing. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What were your questions that you had posed? Yeah. My questions were, where are you disassociating from your body? Whether it be maybe something of pain, maybe you have pain. Um, maybe you um, don't like some of the desires that you have. Um, just that whole concept of unplugging those cords. Like, where are you being like, shut up body. I'm not going to listen to you. Um, so that would be one question. The second one was, where are you disrespecting or shaming her? Um, are there places where you're like, oh, I can't do this or wear that or blah, 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 because I look some type of way or what have you, um, any place or in, from any angle that you might be dis disrespecting or shaming your body. Um, and then the last question was, is this, the disrespecting and shaming your body, impacting your sex life or your sexuality slash sexual development? And what I mean by sexual development, I mean your sexual development stage. We all are in a life stage, right? Like, and for like you and I, ultimately we are in midlife. Like we are here in this whole, you know, and um, I think that, you know, we, it's good for us to ask that question. Where is it impacting not just our sex life or our sexuality, but um, our sexual development stage? Like, are we being judgy of that stage? Are we being critical of that stage? Are we having expectations kind of from what you had said? Is there a narrative that we're saying about that stage um, that it should be this or should be that or blah, blah, blah. Or are we you know, what's happening there. So anyway, those are my questions. Yeah. And those are good questions. And I think that there's a lot of things that as, and I'm sure this is true for men too. Um, but since we're, you know, talking about women, I'll stick with that. Um, but that we have these ideas of what an acceptable body is mm -hmm. and what does that look like? And if it doesn't look like that, then we can get into that space of disrespecting ourselves in that way. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, that in different stages of our life, we, we will do that differently because like for me personally right now, it's like, I'm 
almost 41. And so obviously my body does not look like it did when I was 20 or 25 or even 30, like things do change. Um, but being able to still see, to see myself as beautiful, even if it's, even though I'm not perfect and I recognize that I'm not perfect and that's okay. And some days that's easier than other days. Some yeah. days I feel confident in my 41 year old body. And other times I'm like, girl, get your butt to the gym. Like, you know, like it, it really isn't this consistent. Like I really have to be intentional about seeing the, the truth of, of who I am in this body and that it isn't defining, you know, if I'm not the same yeah. size as I was yeah. before yeah. or things look a little bit different and my, you know, wobbly bits are a little bit more wobbly than what <laughs> they were before. Like that doesn't diminish who I am. Yeah. but it's real easy to tell myself otherwise sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. Which then does directly impact that sexual desire of like, if I'm feeling myself feeling this way about myself, well, then he must see the same thing I do. And so why would he yeah. be attracted to me? Why would he even want to engage with me sexually? If mm-hmm. like, I'm feeling the, this certain way about myself, like, but I put it on him, you know, even though that's not fair. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Oh, such a, it's a messy, it's messy. Yeah, it is. It's messy and hard. And kind of like you said, like there are days when it's great and easy and days when it's like, oh my gosh, it's not great and easy. Yeah. And, yeah. And honestly, we, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, we do it to each other too. I mean, I feel like just as women, we kind of do it to each other too. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's, we've talked about body image on here before, and yeah. we probably will again and again and again because it is one area where the enemy kind of has us by the oh, jugular. On us so, real hard. yeah, real, real, hard. real hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I had forgotten to point out was in 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 regard to the disassociating. We were talking in the very beginning about, you know, why we step toward people or don't step toward people. Um, I think we can disassociate or become disembodied also in the area of being uncomfortable at someone about someone else's pain, like listening to someone, like sometimes we can be like, I don't really want to hear this story because all I can see is your pain on you. Um, and maybe we'll be obnoxious and explain that person's pain away or whatever, but we need to be, I think that's one place we also need to stay really connected and present. Like this person's pain is causing me discomfort. Whose problem is that? I want to ask just plainly. And, for, and to encourage us to get better at being willing to sit with that discomfort. Don't talk that person out of their pain. That's not helpful. What's helpful is to check, to be curious. Be curious about your discomfort. Huh, this is making me very uncomfortable. It's making me want to not engage with this person because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Or it's making me want to, you just fawn all over them, jump all over them to stop them from saying what they're saying or feeling what they're feeling. Because again, I'm responding to my own discomfort. So that's another place where I think we really disassociate um, from our own bodies or we ultimately we want to fix that. So we're like, oh, I feel this. I'm going to fix it right now. Let me move this around, move this around, this around. And now we have really impacted negatively the person who's trying to 
engage with their their story or their pain or their situation like anyway we're just not good at it um you know we're not good at it and we need to I think we can get better at it we can do hard things you said that in the very very beginning so we can we can absolutely yeah. do hard things and sometimes hard things feel really uncomfortable very in fact I would say every single time we do a hard thing it's uncomfortable yeah I think so that there you have it you can be guaranteed accurate guaranteed <laughs> some level of uncomfortableness when it's something that's hard yeah yep. yeah doesn't mean it's bad doesn't mean it's yeah. bad the Lord right, is very clear in telling uh-huh. me that just because yeah. it's hard doesn't mean it's bad. That's right. Because That's right. I like to try to convince myself that that is the case. Right. So it's this not. is hard. It must be bad. Yeah, totally. Yep. Anyway, so I digress. Um, okay. Anything else about body, body image before I move on to Stacy's question? Nope. Okay, I, I think that, that you... You're so, you're very passionate about that topic. And so like you always speak so well to it. Um, I always enjoy hearing you talk about it just because you can, you can tell just in the way that you, you know, present these things that it's something that is important. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I'm doing a way better job on here than I was doing on Friday night. (laughs) I went last on Friday night and it was, it was just long. And I feel like I was like, I think I'm taking a nap while I'm talking right now. It was just so, I don't know. I was like, so I was like, oh, I get another chance to kind of talk about it. So anyway. Um, okay. Last set of questions were Stacy's questions. Um, yeah. If you get a chance, if you know Stacy, um, grab her and just tell her you want to sit down and have a conversation with her. She's just awesome and her story is powerful and amazing and anyway she's just so easy to talk to too but um and not but and the questions that she posed to us were um do you see god in your sexual story that means like no matter what um if so where and or how and if you don't see him in your sexual story why an absolute yes yeah Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that whether or not we see him there, he's there because he's in all of those things. I think it can just be hard for us to say, yeah, God, you know, he was there and he, he did these things and or he is working on me in in these ways. It can, it, it doesn't like, I think that like, especially when we have like this father mindset, like my dad's not supposed to be part of this. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Let's not. I, yeah. I, yeah. Like, if I just sit dad. down and be like, okay, let's talk about this. Yeah. Right. So I think that, you know, if we really are in that space, like this is my heavenly father that I'm talking to, we go to that yeah. like earthly place. I'm like, I don't need to talk about this with our dad. That's weird. Yeah. You know? um, but yes, I mean, I think that, that he is absolutely present in these things and whatever it is that we are going through whatever it is that maybe we are in need of, like he wants to be able to give that to us. He wants to be a part of that. It's just, I think comes down to, are we going to let him, are we going to invite him in to helping us heal um, from those things or repent or ask for redemption or whatever it might be that we're needing? Are we going to reach out for that? Because he is absolutely right there with us. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, I feel I for some I don't know if it's normal but I'm I'm going back to like the beginning of my you know 
sexual story, um, which we didn't really talk too much about kind of that here. We did on Friday night, but um, I definitely had, I lost my virginity at seventh grade in seventh grade. And then I was very promiscuous until I got, I always say God took me off the market because he was like, okay, you're kind of getting this thing in the (laughs) the ditch. And then I got married. So (laughs) I mean, I got, you know, and married to my husband now. So there was a stretch there where if I look back, I'm thinking like, do I see God in that? Like, and I don't know that that's what the question is, but that's where I go. I do not. Um, I, you know, it was just a desolate place, right? But I know he was there. I know he was there. And I also know like the redemptive power and the work that he did um, kind of after the fact, um, you know, and is still continuing to do. Um, You know, we talked about in the very beginning before we even started recording how God's timing with the way that he kind of comes after healing in our lives. You know, I want to encourage if, if, if you haven't had like this massive healing in your life in this area, and we're not claiming that we have necessarily, um, there's a timing thing. God knows what we, when we're ready for different layers and kind of times of healing. And sometimes we're just not ready to face like what's, what's the, what the reality is. So that's why I say like over time, like I feel like he he has done a healing work. He will continue to do a healing work. I mean, you know, this is something that he, especially with sex, like I think because the enemy has such his nasty, gross, you know, claws into this place, the beautiful gift that was given to us. Um, I do think that um, this is something that he will have to, he'll continue to be invited, will continually need to invite him into Mm-hmm. he's redeeming he has redeemed he he is redeeming and he will continue to redeem yeah. um and be present with us in the midst of it so I guess that for me like I'm like thinking like then ooh, not like I sensed him and maybe that was a good thing I don't even know I I don't feel like and I I knew him I mean I knew him growing up I didn't but I didn't necessarily sense him then but I do I definitely do now yeah. um and I guess I answered number two also because if so where and or how um so I mean and I think I even answered why, because <laughs> I had and, a long winder one. And when you, when you put it in that context, like I can absolutely, like, I feel the same way in looking back on those early years of like my sexual story. When I take a step back and look at that, like, was God there? Yes. Because we know that he comes after us. He seeks us. He is mm-hmm he's coming after that one, you know, he's always coming after us. But when I look at the story, I was not thinking about God. I was not thinking like he was not present for me in that specific time in my life. Even though now knowing him, knowing his, his character and who he is, I know that he was there. But when I look at my story, he wasn't a piece of it right? In from, for for me in that time. And so I think it's like this tension thing of knowing that both are true. When I was behaving in the way that I was behaving and engaging in the things that I was engaging in, I was not thinking about, is this pleasing to God or any of those things? Like I was doing my thing. And at that time thinking I'm living my best life and, you know, like just bebopping along. But I also know now when I look back on that, that he, I know was right there, like just calling me to him. And I was just like, 
no thanks, you know, and like not even acknowledging or recognizing that he was present. So yes, I think that like having that tension of both of those things being true. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Which I'm so glad to have sort of that kind of hindsight now, right? Or the, I don't know, the then versus now. Yeah. And, to, and to know, and to know what we know. I mean, this yeah. is why truth is so, you know, knowing his, his truth, who he is, he doesn't change. He is who he says he is, right. which means, and that's applied all the time. That means he was then and he is now. Right. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Like that is a good mm-hmm. lesson for us now. If we're in the middle of something that's hard and we feel mm-hmm. like, well, he, I, I'm not sensing him. I'm not feeling him. Like being able to look back at other situations where we can have that hindsight and say, yeah, I didn't feel him there, but I know he was there. The same is mm-hmm. true now. I might be feeling like I'm in the desert or I might be feeling a certain type of way, but what I do know, because I know him is that he's here. Yeah, absolutely. I just need to figure out how to connect with that. Yeah, absolutely. And specifically in this area of sex and sexuality, because, um, you know, Stacey, when she was kind of processing like everything that she kind of was sharing and like, this is why, and ultimately she's right. She said, because we need to blur the lines between the sacred and the secular in this area, because we're like, Ooh, this is all sacred over here. Sacred, sacred, sacred. And then, Oh, this is my secular life over here, which includes my sex and sexuality. Like, uh, uh-uh. Like it all needs to be blended because he absolutely cares and wants to be present with us in our sex and sexuality today, right now. Absolutely. And again, like he's, he has redeemed, he is redeeming and he will, or yes, and he will continue to redeem. Um, it also made me think of just Aloysia too, just thinking like um, just the heart behind, you know, her wanting to be present and, you know, available in this conversation is just going after freedom and wholeness. Um, for our sex and sexuality. And only he can do that work. Um, it's a gift, right? Um, it's it's a gift of intimacy. Like I know on Friday I had brought this up and I talked about, you know, the book of Song of Solomon is, it's, it's so many, it's a metaphor for so many different things. But one of the most important things that it is a metaphor to is the depth of intimacy that our heavenly father feels toward us. Yeah, that might seem crazy because it's like, whoa, 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 this is very sexual. But the reason that he used that as a way to reveal the depth of his intimacy is so we could grasp it. We know what sex is. We know what it feels like. We know what what happens during sex. Um, We know, like, I mean, I think about like in, in, you know, a healthy whole marriage, um, because I know there are so many that are not healthy. And this is, you know, talking about sex and sexuality is the last thing that you want to do because there's so much healing that needs to happen. But within the confines of that, of a healthy, um, you know, whole marriage, as whole as they can be, we're all humans, but there is something that absolutely happens when we come together um, for sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking your physical body, but there is something physiologically that happens. There is something emotionally that happens. There is something spiritually that happens. My heart softens to my husband in a way that it wasn't going to have that not become a part of you know, what, how we were coming together and, and connecting. And, and that is, that is the intimacy story of how, you know, how the Lord feels about us, like come together with me, come be with me, receive this. And I will connect to this place and, and use this as a metaphor, because it's the only way you're going to wrap your head around the depth of how I feel about you. 
Because mm-hmm. we can't, we cannot wrap our heads around it. No. We have no idea when we say, you know, the father loves you so much. I mean, we mess with that word love so much that we're like, yeah, and I love ice cream too. I mean, you know, it, it just becomes so watered down. So, I mean, take that into consideration, that depth of intimacy, like he, he wants us to know it and he wants us to know it with our, you know, in our marriages in our, you know, um, yeah, in those intimate relationships. So, but he does have a plan in it and we want to invite him into that. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and direction in that. We want, you know, we want the fruits of the spirit present, especially in this, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, you know, self-control. <laughs> we, we can't muster that crap up on our own. So don't even try. <laughs> Do not even try to muster up self-control. I say this to my kids all the time, usually, and obviously not when it comes to sex, because so far as I know, we're in the clear on that at the at this point but in other areas like you can't muster up self-control you can't keep yourself from you know spewing the wrong thing to say that's got to be the holy spirit mm-hmm. and it's got to be because jesus loved you first loved us first then what comes out of us what pours out of us is in response to the depth of that love mm-hmm. anyway, so Amen. i can i can thank you yes <laughs> i can stop <laughs> i can stop the sermon stop but anyway oh this was good yeah yeah Yeah. it's a big topic that we tackle every year and Mm -hmm. like here we are you know an hour into this and we could keep talking right because there are so many layers to it and so many just facets and um just different rabbit holes we could go down in this conversation because it is complicated it is like such a part of us as human beings so we just need to keep having the conversations keep doing it absolutely yeah we do want to make a note that we um recognize that one of the other areas with sex and sexuality that is also a challenge is um waiting for marriage that is hard especially in um, the, the, you know, the way that, like we said, the enemy has his, his claws into our sex and sexuality. Um, and, you know, the world says it's good and do it and do it lots. And it doesn't matter where, I mean, that's, that's a hard, that's a hard, you know, hill to climb. Um, and we, you know, that's not kind of what Friday night was about, but we actually, we do acknowledge that like, you know what, that is a story that is a hundred percent, um, worth hearing. And we, we plan to, you know, as we continue on in story, we plan to delve into that, um, at some point and to just be like, what's that like? And how hard is that? And, um, yeah. And what are, what's the fruit of that? You know? Um, so yeah, absolutely. Gonna do it. Gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Uh, what's on tap for announcements? Do we have announcements? It's an excellent question. Um, right. we'll have a, yeah, we'll have another episode of Eden Speaks that will be dropping um, in two weeks, obviously. So, cause we do this every other week and mm-hmm. that will be another, another story series. We're gonna keep going with that story series, which has just been so fruitful. I'm just loving it. Um, so I'm excited mm-hmm. to keep going with that. And then of course, in uh, March, we'll have our, our next Eden gathering third yeah. Friday. What is that going to be the 12th? I guess. No, third Friday is the 19th. Stacy Larson will be speaking. So Woo-hoo. that's it. Living word on the 19th of March at 630. 630. Oh my gosh, there's so much going on that weekend. 
Is that really true? Oh, sorry. That sorry. That's not true. It's not the 19th. It's the 18th. Is that really true? Oh my goodness. There's a lot going on. <laughs> I preached that Sunday, so I'm like, wait, what is happening? Is that the same one? Why does it work out? You that and way? Stacy <laughs> in one weekend. Oh my goodness. Boss Bay. So the 18th, the 19th is a Saturday. Don't come then. We won't be there. But on the 18th, we will be. Awesome. Yep. 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 So then, yeah. Okay. So after this, we, our next podcast is the 11th, huh? Mm -hmm. I feel like, how can that be right? I feel like this is crazy that March is just happening. I know. It was like January lasted 47 years and February was like three seconds. So total blip. I don't even understand. Why does this happen every time? I get there's only 28 days, but still. Right. It's just one by. So. It does fly by. I mean, it's not that few of days. It's only missing two or three yeah. of what's regular. So, but yeah, it does go by very, very, very fast. Real, real fast. All right. Want to pray for us? Sure. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just come before you with our sex and sexuality and this whole conversation, this whole topic, and we just want to surrender it to you. We invite you in. Um, for those of us who are married, we ask that you would be so, so present. Um, Holy Spirit, um, lead us and guide us, help us to have conversations, help us to be bold and brave, help us to seek healing, um, help us to receive your healing and your presence in the midst of all of it. For all of us, help us to not be shameful about our questions that we have, that we have of you in regard to this. Help us to actually follow through to, to say, yes, I want to ask this question and I want to pray about this. Help us to follow through and go all the way with it because we know that you already know what we're thinking and you want us to invite you in. Um, I also pray just for our sisters out there who, um, who either are not married yet or they're divorced and they're kind of in this limbo place. Um, and they're like, what do I, what am I supposed to do with my desire? Um, may you Holy Spirit help them find ways to celebrate that and to, um, to be present, um, with their bodies, um, give them guidance to love them right where they're at. Um, we just need you in all of it. It's messy. And like we said, Holy, you know, Heavenly Father, that we do not want the enemy um, to steal, kill, and destroy this beautiful gift that you've given us. So we ask protection over it. Um, we ask that you would write our minds in this area, that you would um, guide and lead our emotions, Father, and that you would help us to be um, tuned into our bodies in the way you call us to be tuned into our bodies um, in the midst of all of this all of it, Lord God. And we just want to know that you love us in spite of it all. We want to know that you love us regardless of what our choices were in the past or what our current choices are or where we're at with it or how we feel about it. God, we just need you in the midst of it. And we invite you in. We invite you in even when we're afraid to or feel weird about that. But we invite you in. We trust it all to you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for it as a gift. Um, and we pray these things in your holy, holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.